The 100th episode News Weekly will be live on January 19th, 7pm at the Comedy Republic in Melbourne. Tickets are available from Monday the 20th of November, that is in two days, at the thesamishah.com. Patreon subscribers will get access to a discount price, so head over to patreon.com slash samishah to support the podcast and get your discount. Top Stories of the Week Bin Laden on TikTok. Also, the pig fucker is back. All that and more on Newsweekly. Hello and welcome to Newsweekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. I say genocide, you say war crimes, news now. Good news for fans of mass civilian casualties, the inevitable creation of a whole new generation of violent extremists on both sides and the continuing peddling of the cycle of hate with such vigour it could win first place in the French bicycle race Tour de Deteste. That's hate in French. If you love all these things and more fun stuff like debates over who is saving and who is killing literal babies in incubators and whether or not the word genocide can be applied with the kind of wanton casualness that people literally normally reserve for the misuse of the word literally, then congratulations, there's still no ceasefire and the Israel-Gaza war is still going on. The current death toll in Gaza has now passed 11,000 with over 50% of those killed being women and children. However, those numbers are from the Gaza Health Ministry, which some critics, by which I mean Israel, the US and UK, have pointed out is a Hamas-run organisation. Here's Joe Biden saying he doesn't trust the numbers. No notion that Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. And here is UK military analyst Philip Ingram on Sky News. The Ministry of Health is Hamas. Mm-hmm. They are, it's in their interest to exaggerate the numbers and exaggerate the numbers quite a lot. Which is true, the health ministry is run by Hamas and when they provide the death toll, the figures do not give the cause of death but describe the dead as victims of, quote, Israeli aggression. Which I guess is technically kind of true in the same way that every single person who's ever died has died because their heart stopped working. However, we can't decide on whether or not the Gaza Health Ministry can be trusted without evidence from previous Israel-Gaza wars, which it just so happens there have been a few of before, so as pointed out here on MSNBC. As I should point out, just pull up on the screen, in the last two major Gaza conflicts, 2009 and 2014, the Israeli military's death dolls matched Hamas's health ministry death toll, so, and the UN human rights groups all agree that those numbers are credible. So yes, the health ministry is run by Hamas, but then Hamas ran all of Gaza, so every department is run by them. But that doesn't mean every department is Hamas. You understand the difference? The plumbers in the sanitation department probably aren't Hamas plumbers. Or they are in that that's who signs their checks, but Hamas terrorists probably aren't going into unclogged Gazan toilets. But this is basically the whole problem now with this conflict. It's become a game of choose-your-own-atrocity. If you support Israel, then the death toll is a Hamas death toll. The hospitals and refugee camps are Hamas hospitals and refugee camps. The supporters of the ceasefire are all Hamas. Anyone critical of Israel is Hamas. The United Nations is Hamas. And Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch are Hamas. 
If, however, you support Gazans, then the death toll is entirely Zionism's fault. The October 7th attack is actually Zionism's fault. The rising anti-Semitism globally is Zionism's fault. America and the UK not calling for a ceasefire is Zionism's fault. And the rising popularity of Osama bin Laden on TikTok is Zionism's fault. It's a thing, we're going to talk about it in a bit. Basically, there are no facts and the entire war is a postmodernist exploration of relativism that some philosophy professor with a ponytail and a poorly fitting shirt will assign as an essay one day while trying to bang his undergrad students. Take the IDF's invasion of Al-Shifa Hospital. For the last few days leading up to the attack, there was international concern over several babies in the hospital needing incubators that weren't running because the hospital was out of electricity. Israel's military spokesperson said they would evacuate the babies to safety. We will help the babies in the pediatric department to get to a safer hospital. Great! One side showing their humanity. Except, here's Dr. Mads Gilbert, who has worked at Al-Shifa Hospital for 16 years. They are surrounded by Israeli uh, armed forces who are shooting at the hospital. We learned this morning, snipers were shooting through the windows and into the staff. Uh, We also uh, learned that one nurse was killed in the neonatal ICU. Except, here's Sky News' reporter in Jerusalem. But then, uh, in the last hour or so, they released pictures of baby food and incubators. They said their troops were delivering um, on the back or or carried in by IDF tanks, uh, they said, all the way from uh, Israel. However, this is the exact same reporter a few minutes later. Now, what the Palestinians are saying inside the hospital, doctors uh, and other eyewitnesses are saying that they've heard explosions, they've seen some witnesses say they've seen uh, soldiers carrying weapons and there's been gunfire within the uh, complex of Al-Shifa. Outside, specifically, they say, the neonatal unit where those incubators are intended to be used. So it's a pretty murky picture emerging. Certainly the Israeli military is some way involved in the hospital, but in what capacity, it's really not uh, entirely clear yet that we can say. So that reporter is clearly both a Zionist and Hamas. The only reason the IDF is focused on Al-Shifa Hospital is because Israel has made repeated claims that it's a Hamas headquarters with extensive tunnels filled with weapons underneath. Israel has promised to provide proof to back up its claim Hamas was using Gaza's largest hospital as a command centre. And it's not just Israel. The US administration believes it too. You have a circumstance where the first war crime is being committed by Hamas by having their headquarters, their military, hidden under a hospital. And that's a fact. That's what's happened. Now, if you support Israel, that's enough evidence. If, however, you remember the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq or the beheaded babies that Biden saw then didn't see, then maybe you need a little bit more evidence, which Israel provided here to this BBC reporter. And they say that among the things they've uncovered are more than a dozen Kalashnikovs grenades, personal protective equipment, some of it with the, the Hamas military brigade insignia on it. You can see some of them here hidden under these bags of medical supplies. So there you go, weapons in a hospital. Why even would they be there? Which is the point Matthew Miller, the US State Department spokesperson, is making here. I'm surprised when I hear people saying, oh, there were only 10 rifles in this room. It's a hospital. It's a <laughs> no, hospital. No there shouldn't be any assault rifles. Hold on, there shouldn't be any assault rifles at a hospital. Which is true. There's no reason for there to be an assault rifle in a hospital. Unless it was brought there partially inserted in someone's rectum, which I'm quite sure has happened more than any doctor wants to publicly admit. 
So why were there weapons in a hospital? Is that enough evidence to prove it was a Hamas headquarters then? Here's France 24's fact-checking department. And there's nothing uh, astonishing about finding arms in a war zone. Mm. We can imagine that it could be the security of the hospital. We can imagine that it could be Hamas fighters who were injured and being treated in, uh, in the hospital or just a Hamas police station. As we know, there's a police station for Hamas in the Shifa hospital since at least 2014. So nothing mounts uh, to what we were showed. And here maybe we can look at another video a 3D video that was issued by uh, the Israelis a few weeks back to justify, or it was actually the main argument to see that this military complex that they claim is under the Shifa hospital justifies a big military operation mm. in order to stop Hamas activity in, uh, in Gaza. As we speak, we don't have any proof of, of this uh, facility being real, actually. That military complex he's talking about was a 3D simulation by Israel, showing what it claimed was a sophisticated and modern underground base beneath Al-Shifa hospital. So far, they haven't found it. The same way, in 2001, the US showed 3D simulations of a sophisticated modern underground base beneath Afghanistan hills where villages were located to justify bombing those villages. No bases like that were found either. No problem, Israel still has more evidence. Fine, there's no headquarters and just a few weapons, not enough to justify bombing and shooting the shit out of the hospital. But what would you say to a complete list of Hamas personnel stuck to the wall? Wouldn't that be evidence of something? This list, in Arabic, in Arabic, this list says we are in an operation. The operation against Israel started in the 7th of October. This is a guardian list where every terrorist writes his name and every terrorist has his own shift guarding the people that were here. So as we heard ourselves there from the IDF's official spokesman, Daniel Hagari, the IDF does claim that this poster uh, is in fact a list of what they call terrorist names used in uh, a form of a rotor to guard the Israeli hostages. Pretty damning. Clearly Hamas was all up in that hospital. The list proves it. In fact, the document uh, was debunked by many Arabic speakers online who found the claim to be false. So if we take a closer look uh, at the poster itself, now here at the top, it does say Al-Aqsa uh, flood, and there is indeed the date of the 7th of October there as well. But there are no Hamas uh, agents' names uh, on this sheet whatsoever. In fact, there are no names at all. The only text here that's here in Arabic, the only names here are in fact the days of the week. Now, we also saw in that video uh, the uh, IDF spokesman kind of signaling uh, from left to right when he was showing the paper, but Arabic is in fact read and written from right to left. But I also had this document validated by our colleagues at France 24 Arabic, who confirmed that the only uh, names written on this piece of paper were in fact the days of the week. Now, this document could be a simple hospital rotor, hospital planning schedule, um, but it's important to note that uh, having the days on, of the week on there doesn't confirm that it isn't a Hamas document. It doesn't confirm that Hamas wasn't present in the hospital. What we do know and what is absolutely certain here that there are no names uh, of any agents or names in general uh, on that paper apart from the days of the week, Delano. That's fine. They made a mistake. Maybe there were Hamas operatives named after days of the week. I've heard Monday is a real killer. Besides, it's not like the Israeli government is going around just making things up.
That's what the Palestinians are doing. The proof of that was posted online by Ofer Gendelman, a spokesperson from the Israeli Prime Minister's office. He tweeted out a clip showing Palestinians faking their injuries, which MSNBC's presenter asked Israeli advisor Mark Regev about. So, so hold, on, hold on, you said propaganda. Can we just deal with your colleague Ofer Gendelman's tweet? It's still up seven days later. Why has it not come down? It's a Lebanese short film. We can put it on screen. It's not Palestinians faking their own injuries. Can we own up to that mistake and take that down? Is that not propaganda? I, uh, uh, once again, I understand that that was also a mistake. And so why is it still uh, up seven I'll days speak later. to Offer about it if you like. I'll speak to Offer about it if you like. He's Great. a friend of mine okay. and a colleague. I quite like him. He's a good man. He's actually very effective. Why is he effective? Well, he's, he speaks he's, uh, he's mother tongue, Lebanese Arabic. Tweet, Mark. I, Mark, I agree. He made a mistake. But let's be clear. Let's be clear. It's very good that we have someone who can speak Arabic on in the Arab networks to the to Great. the directly to Arab people, so they can hear Israeli opinions directly. Appreciate and that is amazing at that. He's very important. <laughs> Turns out what Ophir isn't good at telling is the difference between a movie and reality, which is probably why he's warning of an imminent invasion of Israel by Thanos. The thing is, if you want proof the hospital did have Hamas militants hiding in it, all you need to do is listen to Hamas. All those weapons were not in Shifa. There is no, no center or control room for Hamas in this hospital. We avoid all the hospitals all the time. The Israelis, they have said that about Rantisi Hospital and they were lying. They've said that about Al-Quds Hospital and everyone realized that they were lying and now everyone is watching their lies, even with the support of the United States administration, which is a very silly and stupid support because you can't just believe Netanyahu who is a liar, and everyone knows that. If Hamas says it wasn't there, it probably was. Because to be fair to Israel, Hamas lies constantly. Here's the exact same Hamas official in 2006. We are a moderate organization. Really, we are not a radical organization, and we are not extremist or fundamentalist. No, we are an open-minded organization sticking, believe in democracy and the freedom and political pluralization. All politicians make fake campaign promises, but Hamas claiming it's a peaceful democratic organization just before an election is even bigger than the time the Victorian Labour government promised an airport rail link. So if you believe Israel, the death toll is exaggerated. Most of the dead are probably Hamas and hospitals like Al-Shifa are being used as Hamas headquarters, so Israel is justified in attacking them. And if you believe Palestinians, then the death toll is accurate. Most of the dead are probably civilians, and the hospitals like Al-Shifa are just that, hospitals. So Israel is unjustifiably attacking them. Well, why would you believe the Palestinians anyway, or Palestinian supporters? They don't even condemn Hamas. Like, look at this clip of Jeremy Corbyn on Piers Morgan's show. Are you prepared to call Hamas a terror group? Is it possible to have a rational discussion with you? Is it possible? Come on, answer that question. You can't, can you? You answer it. No, it's my show. You answer my question. Are Hamas a a terror group? Listen, can I... Are they a terror group? Piers, can we go through what ought to be happening? Just answer my question. Why do you think are Hamas most a terror nations group? in the world are calling for a ceasefire? Are Why Hamas a terror group? Come on, answer that. Are, answer me. No, you've got it's not so many, your show. You've got so many opinions. Why should I answer yours when you won't answer mine? Why do you give out your opinions all day and every day are Hamas, you don't like it are Hamas a terror, it back on Are Hamas a terror group? Yes or well, no? You won't, let, you won't like it when somebody yes pushes no. back on you. What I've said is... I've asked you two questions. Should Hamas stay in power and are they a terror group? You're refusing to answer either 
either of them. They that is very telling. They and you wonder, it's not very and you wonder why not, people think you had a problem not with Jewish people. That clip keeps being shared as evidence of Piers Morgan bullying Jeremy Corbyn. Except, and I can't believe I keep saying this these days, Piers Morgan isn't wrong. Jeremy Corbyn just has to say, yes, Hamas is a terrorist group the way the other guest does. Piers, Piers, uh, I've explained to you how to get rid of Hamas. Mm. Are you, they a terror group, Len? Uh, of course. The Thank terror, you. Why can't you say well, that? Hang on, hang on. You've answered it. See, that's pretty easy. Say Hamas is a terrorist group and that the October 7th attack was a terrorist attack against civilians and then you have more credibility when you criticise Israel. Not saying it just makes it easier to defend against criticism of Israel. It's the same with accusing Israel of genocide. If you're an Israeli, it's a ludicrous and frankly offensive claim. As long as you don't pay attention to everything Israeli politicians are saying, as pointed out by Mehdi Hassan on MSNBC. You've got ministers in your government, I have to ask this question, Amichai Eliyahu, who said Israel should consider dropping a nuclear bomb on Gaza, which would kill over two million people. He's still in your government. Avi Dichter, another member of your government, went on TV and said this is Gaza Nakba 2023. Or this statement by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, referencing Amalek, an Old Testament call to kill your enemies' men, women, infants, and even destroy their ability to feed themselves. Or this statement by Israeli President Isaac Herzog, advocating for collective punishments. It's an entire nation out there that is responsible. It's not true. This rhetoric about civilians not not aware, not involved, it's absolutely not true. Or Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant saying... There will be no electricity, no food, no water, no fuel. Everything will be closed. We are fighting against human animals. Or this interview with an Israeli academic in which he's asked about Israeli government officials calling Palestinian animals. And he says, I do not equate them with animals because that is an insult to animals. I just want to remind you, this isn't Hamas they're talking about. These officials are making it clear they're referring to Palestinians in general and specifically Gazans. Like the statement by Gioria Eiland, former head of the Israeli National Security Council, who says creating a severe humanitarian crisis in Gaza is a necessary means to achieve the goal. Or the former information minister, who said invest this energy in one thing, erasing all of Gaza from the face of the earth, Gaza should be erased. Here's Moshe Feiglen, an Israeli politician, saying Annihilate Gaza now. Gaza needs to turn to Dresden, yes. So, is Israel actively engaged in genocide? Israeli historian and associate professor of Holocaust and Genocide Studies with a focus on modern genocide, Raz Segal, is on Democracy Now! arguing that it is. Um, I think that indeed what we're seeing now in Gaza is a case of genocide. Uh, We have to understand that the UN Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide from 1948 requires that we see special intent for genocide to happen. And to quote the convention, intent to destroy a group as defined as racial, ethnic, religious, or national, as such, that is collectively, not uh, just in the, uh, individuals. And this intent, as we just heard, is on full display by Israeli politicians and army officers. Since 7th of October, we heard Israel's president. Uh, we, it's well known what Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said on 9th of October, declaring a complete siege on Gaza, cutting off water, food, 
fuel, stating that we're fighting human animals and we will react accordingly. He also said that we will eliminate everything. We know that Israeli army spokesperson uh, Daniel Hagari, for example, acknowledged one tune destruction and said explicitly the emphasis is on damage and not on accuracy. So we're seeing this special intent on full display. And really, I have to say, if this is not special intent to commit genocide, I really don't know uh, um, what is. So when we look at the, at the actions uh, taken, the dropping of thousands and thousands of bombs in a couple of days, including phosphorus bombs, as we heard, on one of the most densely populated areas around the world, together with these proclamations of, of intent, this indeed constitutes genocidal killing, which is the first act, uh, according to the Convention. Uh, of genocide. And Israel, I must say, is also perpetrating Act Number 2 and 3 that is causing seriously uh, serious bodily or mental harm and creating condition designed to bring about the destruction of the group by cutting off water, food, uh, um, uh, supply of energy, uh, bombing hospitals, uh, ordering the fast evictions of hospitals, which the World Health Organization has declared to be, quote, a death sentence. So we're, we're, we're seeing the combination of genocidal acts with special intent. This is indeed a, a, a textbook case of genocide. And it's not just him. Time magazine spoke to City University of New York professor Victoria Sanford, who is another genocide scholar, who says Israel's current actions in Gaza match the legal criteria for genocide. However, other genocide experts like David Simon at Yale said some members of the IDF and the Israeli government, along with Hamas, of course, can be found guilty of committing an act of genocide, but the intent to destroy an ethnic group isn't yet clearly established by the Israeli government. As does Ben Kiernan, another academic with expertise on the same subject, who said Israel's bombing of Gaza, while indiscriminate and could constitute a war crime, does not meet the threshold for genocide. So, why does any of that matter? Well, if it is genocide, legally, then the US and other allies have to act to prevent it going any further. If it isn't, they can keep justifying it for Israel. It's the kind of pedantry that your primary school teacher engaged in when she said, yes, you can go to the bathroom, but you may not. The thing is, it's obviously not going to be agreed upon, nor settled. But what can be agreed upon is that the Netanyahu government and IDF leadership is saying some pretty heinous things about human beings who've been suffering both Hamas brutality and Israeli occupation for a very long time. And if supporters of Palestine can't be considered serious about peace until they condemn Hamas, it's fair to ask supporters of Israel to condemn that government and its officials. The idea that only one side in this conflict is bad and the other is always good, which both sides are completely guilty of, is the kind of naive thinking which led to idiot children on TikTok suddenly getting shook by Osama bin fucking Laden. Tonight, TikTok pulling content off its platform after videos promoting Osama bin Laden's Letter to America started gaining momentum. This morning I read Letter to America. The letter, written in 2002, one year after 9-11, by the al-Qaeda leader, justifying one of the worst terrorist attacks in the U.S. that left nearly 3,000 dead. I just read a letter to America. Go read it. Users at times reading the letter while others noting how the letter resonated with them. In particular, portions criticizing U.S. support for Israel, accusing Americans of financing oppression of the Palestinians. Did y'all know that the tax dollars are given to Israel to help them kill all the people in Palestine? 
The videos adding to an already contentious and heated debate online over the Israel-Hamas conflict. I literally read it last night. Everything he said was valid. This man didn't care about us. All it took was reading one paragraph in a letter that mentions Palestine. For- Who's really the terrorist? You know, of all the possible outcomes of this conflict, the ghost of Bin Laden wreaking revenge through a Chinese social media app mostly used for synchronized dancing by poorly read narcissists? was not one anyone predicted. Between this, the increased attack on Jews around the world with synagogues being set on fire, Jewish businesses being vandalized, and Jewish people being afraid to present as Jewish in public, it's starting to become clear. The biggest threat to Gazans right now are Hamas, which is still holding on to the hostages as if it can strike some bargain, Israel, which is increasing its attacks on the West Bank and northern Gaza while now threatening to expand to the south while mass starvation is becoming a legitimate problem, and Palestine supporters, many of whom can't seem to tell the difference between wanting peace and supporting terrorism. At least this conflict is making everyone's true assholic nature clear. Speaking of which... Elon Musk did something yesterday. He retweeted a post, a highly offensive anti-Semitic post. What do you know about Uh, that? He sure did. You guys, the post was by a user on X. It claimed the Jewish communities push, quote, hatred against whites. He responded saying, quote, you have said the actual truth. What if we all just agree to hate him? Wouldn't that bring us together? (music) The Suela has set on the British Empire. News now. It's been a few months since the UK had any political upheaval, so much like another season of The Crown, it's time for some firings and hirings in the British Parliament. That doesn't mean we could never do it. Suella's been sacked, I'm just hearing. For the second time, Suella Braverman has lost her job as Home Secretary. Nobody's nobody's ever done that before. It is all... I think... (laughs) We think it is unprecedented that a Home Secretary is forced out of their job for the second time for effectively misconduct. In this case, it was insubordination to the Prime Minister. Last time, when Liz Truss was Prime Minister, it was an allegation about leaking documents, but there were also policy disagreements. It turned out Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, whose biggest achievement to date was coming up with a poorly thought-out imitation of Australia's inhuman offshore detention policy while paying allegiance to the kind of far-right politics that would make Tony Abbott's budgie smugglers tighten, has been fired. So what was it that she did in the last few days that got her sacked? Was it the tweet earlier this month saying that homeless people sleeping on footpaths were doing it as a lifestyle choice and she planned to make it illegal for charities to help them? Or was it when she called the pro-Palestine marches, quote, hate marches and wrote an opinion piece claiming the police were showing bias to leftist protest groups, thus breaking the ministerial code that prevents political interference in the police's operations? Or was it any of the many other crazy things she's done over the years? So, which one of them did it? What got her fired? That article was written and it was sent to number 10 to the Prime Minister's office to uh, be checked and to be approved. And that number 10 asked for some changes to be made to that article and that she chose to go ahead and publish the article without making those changes. So that was really seen as a test to Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's leadership and what he's willing to accept from his party members And as we've seen today, he was unwilling to accept that in particular. And that's what has led to uh, Suella Braverman being sacked today here in London. Getting fired for not accepting revisions to your essay is some British private school level punishment. So is Suella taking it with grace? Does she accept she screwed up and is going gently into the good night? It's one of the most extraordinary resignation letters you've ever seen. We were wondering yesterday why we hadn't got one. Normally you 
tend to get an exchange of letters quite soon after someone leaves government. Well, uh, I think the answer might be that this one took quite a, a long time. It's three closely typed pages of political bile. And Suella Braverman is taking aim at the Prime Minister's character. She's revealing that there was a contract, she alleges, between him and the Prime Minister, uh, which was agreed to bring her on side, which she says was pivotal uh, to him uh, taking over the party after Liz Truss's uh, government uh, collapsed. But she's saying so much else besides. Everywhere, she seems to be making some sort of battle cry. And the great question is, is there actually an army behind her to come in behind her and fulfil what she seems to want, her, her battle aim, which is to bring down Rishi Sunak? I don't know why there's an opposition party in the UK. The Tories do a much better job of opposing the Tories. Unfortunately for Suela Braverman, Rishi Sunak has a plan. Unfortunately for Rishi Sunak, it's about as good as all his other plans. As the winners from a cabinet reshuffle arrived at Downing Street, one guest had Britain's news channels in a state of disbelief. Just opening the door for... David, David Cameron! Cameron. <laughs> I was not expecting okay. that! That's right, the new Suella Braverman is the old David Cameron. The former Prime Minister who took Brexit to a referendum thinking Remain would win, but which saw the Leave side winning instead and is basically hated by both sides for that, is back. Where's he been all this time? But he was front page news two years ago over revelations he made a fortune lobbying on behalf of Australian financier Lex Greensill. That lobbying included sending 62 messages to former colleagues begging them to help a controversial bank in which he had millions of pounds of stock options. Which is still better than that time in college when he allegedly stuck his penis in a dead pig's mouth. Look it up. Sunak hasn't yet announced any other policies or cabinet reshuffles, probably because he hasn't figured out how to make a worse decision than this one. Somewhere, Boris Johnson's hair is tingling. That's it from this week's edition of News Weekly. Like I said, tickets are going to be available very, very soon. Basically, in two days' time at thesamishow.com. You can head over there to buy tickets to my 100th live News Weekly show. The show itself would be on January 19th, 7pm at the Comedy Republic. Patreon subscribers are going to get access to a code which will give them discount prices. That's going to go up on Monday as well on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash samishah, S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. Right? If you don't want to do any of those things... Just stick around and keep listening because I'll be back next week with another News Weekly, punching news in the headlines weekly.